This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Hello, hello. Welcome back, guys. Hey, Sailor, good to be back. Can you hear my tone? I'm ready to battle, like, right away. Oh, you've got your game face on. You came prepared. Uh (laughs) I got my boxing gloves on. I'm going to put that thingy in my mouth. What is that called? The mouth guard? The mouth guard. <laughs> I couldn't think what the hell it was called for a minute. You know that thingy that you yeah, thingy do? thingy in my mouth. Put the thingy in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. that's probably came That's what she really, says. Insert really, insert well. really dirty jokes here. Bingo. <laughs> You're welcome, my friends. So how's it going tonight? How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Going pretty good. It is November. Can you believe it's November? It's crazy. It's ridiculous. What the hell is what it is. Yeah. What happened to summer? I'd like to know what happened to fall. I don't know about you guys, but out here in the Pacific Northwest, we got screwed royally on fall. We just like went right to winter. It's still like 80 degrees here. (laughs) Shut up. Mr. Florida. (laughs) Yeah, but it's also humid as fuck and you're not getting any beautiful foliage. So there. uh, It's cool at night. I mean, it's like 65. Oh, wow. 65. <laughs> Get out the snowsuits. No, what's so funny is like at the department stores when they change out like all the clothes for like the season and they'll they'll bring out legit like winter coats and Uggs. And people and wear them like, there though. It's 85 degrees. Well, you but have a lot them. of the, I know, but you have even like the snowbirds that come down <laughs> from, and there's a lot of them from like, like Quebec and they yeah. only speak French. Yeah. Um, they will partake in that shopping. It's like you're from Quebec. It's, it's like you cheaper, know because it's probably cheaper. But I'm like, like you know what? Really quickly. But it's like you know what cold is so in Quebec. Weird. You know what cold is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> cold is very cold. But you're still going there. You're buying the stuff. You're putting it on in 80 degree weather. I don't know. I don't get it. I remember when I first moved to San Diego many years ago. It was uh, we were coming off of one of the most epic winters New England had seen in a long time. I don't know if you guys remember, it might have been 2010 when all the roofs were collapsing. Yes. Matt, you might remember remember that. I mean, yes. it was like snowstorm, ice storm, snowstorm, ice storm. So it was like mm-hmm. all these layers of ice. It got so bad. We were living in Connecticut that there was it like roads weren't two lanes anymore because there was nowhere to put the snow. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't even like put it into dump trucks because it was ice. There was like so many layers of ice. It was so horrific. So... My ex-husband and I got transferred to San Diego, and at first we were like, woohoo, like after winter like that, we were like, let's just get the hell out of here. And so we landed in San Diego in March, and people were, (laughs) I'll never forget, like, 
we got to the hotel room and like dropped off the dogs and I immediately was like, where's my flip flops? Where's my shorts? And I'm in it because it was like 77 degrees. It was like either 76 or 77. Coming from that, from New England, that's summertime. So we're in like tank tops and shorts and flip flops and we go to a store and all the people were wearing like scarves and Uggs and coats and hats and we're just looking at them like what the fuck it's in the 70s how can you have a scarf wrapped around your body and uggs on i was like sweating looking at them i just i don't get it it's all the transplants it's just their habit it's true they, they feel the need to uh dress up like that at that time of year but it's, I a, think, it's true but it's, it's amazing I how your San Diego people how your body I, I was i'm from new jersey my entire life i've been in new jersey 30 almost 35 years and i i know cold you know and it's amazing how your body acclimates when you're dealing with 90 and humid most of the year. And then you have one day where you wake up and it's 60 outside. You're cold. It's amazing. Yeah, but you don't how, feel like you're freezing. You're though. not freezing, but you're cold. Okay. Where you wouldn't well, feel like, you know, if you're yeah. in New Jersey and it's 60, it's you're going out Summertime. in short t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It works just yeah. the opposite way, too. You know, when we get a nice 50-degree uh, day in March, everyone's breaking out the shorts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in Chicago, yeah. Oh, God, there is this really funny episode of a show I used to watch called My, My Boys, I think it was called. I can't remember, but it was funny because Boston is the same thing. It was like a false, it was like a false start to summer, and it happened like, you know, in March or April, April, which is still winter in places like where we lived. And um, like people were out, and like some, one of the friends like bought a Jeep Wrangler rag top and Someone else, like everybody was like going out, like, yeah, flip flops and tank tops, and someone like got engaged. And it was all because of <laughs> this fall summer. And like two days later, like the one guy's breaking up with the girl, the other one's returning the Jeep Wrangler with the rag top. Like everybody's super depressed again. It was hilarious. He returns the Jeep. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, at first, I remember there was only one guy that was like, Actually, Jim Gaffigan used to be in that show, oh, and I think okay. he was the one who was like, "You got you idiot! Your rag top's gonna be on the floor of your car after one snowstorm. What the fuck did you buy this <laughs> thing for?" And like to the other one, like, "You got engaged? Yeah, we we went for a walk in the park in the sunshine and just fell in love." And he's like, "It's only because it's the first time you've seen sun in like eight months. It's gonna change." <laughs> it's like he's in Alaska or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, my God. Um, real quick, before we move along, I read one of the best things I've ever read about Rob Halford in my life. And I love Rob Halford as a person so much. I don't know if you guys follow him, like, as an individual at all, but he is hysterical. He is, first of all, to be an out gay man in the metal scene when he came out, I would love to really ask him and dig into how in the fuck did you have the guts to do that and how'd you get away with it like because he's I, know, like, exactly. I guess so i mean yeah, when you don't give a fuck you can do whatever you want <laughs> he's just oh yeah. my god he's he's amazing so yeah. there's this article recently oh by the way speaking of san diego he lives in san diego and my husband and i saw him he lived in the neighborhood right next to ours we would oh, see wow. him walking down the street all the time <laughs> 
And the first time you told me was so excited. I'm like, you didn't see. You saw some guy in a leather jacket that was bald, and you thought I was, you know, wearing like a studded black leather jacket in the middle of summer. You think he's like, no, I swear to God. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then like two days later, I shit you not, we're at the same stoplight, and I'm assuming it was must have been like a normal path for him to take from like his because I think he said he lives in a condo, his condo to something else, maybe the coffee shop or the grocery mm-hmm. store bar. Again, he looks over, see, look, it's him, it's him. And I'm like, God damn, I think it's him. And I'm like, son <laughs> of a bitch. So I quickly like grab my phone and Google, where does Rob Halfer live? And it's that neighborhood. I'm like, okay, okay, it's a coincidence. I don't really think it's him. There's got to be a lot of bears in this area. You know, the gay, the gay men that are like, you know, in all the leather and stuff like that. So I think it would be easy to see several men that look like right yeah, Rob Halford in yeah. a gay mm-hmm. neighborhood. Okay, happens a third time. Same stoplight, same street. And I'm like, all right, that's it. It's I'm I'm going to find out if this is really Rob Halford. So I he's carrying two grocery bags. He just came from this grocery store. And I'm like, just stop at the grocery store. We'll just do our shopping here. And I'm going to ask the checkout people. And my husband's like mortified. He's like, please don't do that. I'm like, I'm doing it. I don't <laughs> you care. Just asked him. Who cares? Right? So I ask them. And they're like, yeah, Rob Halford lives right around the corner. He's here all the time. Like, that's amazing. Um, so he really, really, really wants to be on RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, a lot. He has put out a plea to um, Mama Ru to please let him be a judge on the show. Oh, boy. <laughs> Which would be... <laughs> I would watch that show. I would have a, a viewing party. Um, I'll even sponsor the show. Like I will, I will spend my life savings. I want to see Rob Halford on RuPaul Drag. So, if anybody's listening that has any influence, because of course our listeners are all Drag Race fans, and if RuPaul, if you're listening, please let Rob Halford be a guest. Consider it a birthday present, an early one. <laughs> Done. I don't know why when you were talking about that story of Rob Halford, it just reminded me of the Danzig story, like from, <laughs> like where he was like taking the bricks or something, like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I can't remember. I don't know why. Just walking down the street, it's like, is that Danzig? <laughs> well, I think some of these artists, you know, protect themselves so much where they don't want to be approached or seen out in public because yeah. it'll be a little too much. And I totally get that. Yes. I. I think I said this before. I would never want to be famous. It would freak me the fuck out if people were looking at me, no less coming up to me and talking to me. But I think someone like Rob Halford is probably safe to walk around the streets of San Diego without being harassed too much. So, and much like I'm, sh- and obviously in Danzig's neighbor, his neighborhood, nobody gave a fuck <laughs> who he was. You know, yeah. <laughs> a little lower profile perhaps, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, I think it still has to be the right person you know, in 2010 to recognize that's Rob Halford in San Diego. I think we were probably a rare breed, I gotta say. Correct, yeah. At that time, at that place, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so then after that, we saw him all the time. Like, we he he was in the same coffee shop we were in, because like I said, our neighborhood was like, right up against his neighborhood. We would see him constantly. I never approached him, because I don't, I won't do that. Oh, I was just gonna ask if you ever talk to him at some point see i have like a i have a criteria for that too but it's like if you see them multiple times and they're frequenting place where they're comfortable and all that stuff i think it's okay see that's exactly why i wouldn't do it if he was in another city where he wasn't living i would approach him but that's his home turf 
and he just wants to go to the coffee shop like anybody else, go to the grocery store, and just do normal shit in life and not have to be Rob Halford and be on and approached by fans. That's why I won't do it. I've let so many celebrities go by because, A, it's like, unless I have something anyway, like, if I can't have a conversation with them, what's the point? Like, you poop, too. I poop. You, we wear <laughs> shoes. Like, you blow your nose. Like, we're all we're all people. Who cares? I'm, I don't get starstruck. But if I'm in the op- have an opportunity to have a little bit of a conversation, that would be different if I find them really interesting. But I don't want to approach somebody when they're just doing their daily routine. Yeah. You know, I don't being... Think well, I don't know. This being in the being in retail and working in some of the communities I've worked in, I have there have been a couple of people that have walked into my store that I've recognized, whether they be professional athletes or stand up comedians. Like Jim Brewer was one that was a frequenter of my old of my old store up north, and it's just it's like you don't know if he's ever going to walk in again. So it was almost like you have to kind of approach him and. Almost be apologetic, but at the same time, see if you kind like of play stupid. But you kind of play stupid. Be like, I, um, are you Jim Brewer? Yes, I'm Jim Brewer. Oh, you know, I don't want to bother you, but it's just I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours. Blah blah blah. Like, I think there's a way to approach it where you're not kind of. But what do you get out of that? What did you get out of that interaction? You just said what half a million other people. <laughs> oh Jesus! See, okay, I waited on. I waited. So one of my. I have, I've always had a thing about Conan O'Brien. It's one of my weird things. And I waited on, I used to wait on his brother all the time. When I was, lived in Boston, I was um, waiting tables. I was very young at this place in Brookline. And one day Conan is, comes in with him and I don't realize he's there. And two of the other servers were very good friends of mine and knew I had an obsession with Conan O'Brien. So they were like, Conan is at your fucking table with his brother. Apparently, I had gone and given them menus and coffee, and I didn't even realize didn't realize it. it was him. Wow. It was, oh it was so busy, I didn't even realize it. And I didn't say a fucking word the whole time until he came out. He was leaving with his brother, and they were, like, get, walking out on the sidewalk to their car. I was across the street because I had – my shift was over – but I was waiting for them. And from across the street, I yell, I put my hands up like, Conan, I love you. You're the best thing that's ever happened to comedy. You're the greatest. Yay. And he turns around and raises his hand and goes, I love you too. You're the best thing that's ever happened to waiting tables. Yay. And I was like, <laughs> See, that's amazing. That's a moment you'll never forget. Yeah, but I didn't. You did it. Okay. But yeah. if I had gone up to him and been like, while I was waiting table, like, hey, Conan, big fan. Uh, I, I'm just really, can, yeah, I'm, I'm a really big fan. Okay, cool. Yeah, but you know who you're you, working you remember with. remember that time. You know who you're working with yeah. there. <laughs> but, I'm saying, no, but I'm saying you know who you're working with, so you approached it like he would react to it. You know what I'm I saying? I didn't. I thought, I had, I thought, well, I'm not interrupting his meal. I'm not interrupting a conversation with his brother, private time. It's like he was getting out, going out to his car, so I figured it was a quick moment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, it's I true. Know. Like Jim Brewer, that. Jim Brewer, Brewer is a huge Mets fan, so I approached it from kind of like the Mets standpoint. And he's taken, he's ta- he does videos all the time about the Mets. He took videos in our store and put them on his Instagram and on his Facebook page about because they have Mets wine and, and Yankees wine, and we put the Mets wine on sale because it wasn't <laughs> selling. So he, he does an Instagram video that had like two million views. Of he's like, after he's that? like, he's like, what is this bullshit? He's like, Yankees <laughs> wine, fifty bucks, Mets wine, thirty four ninety nine on sale. <laughs> That's 
and it blew up. I'm like, that's my store. Did I'm it like, you can see out? the video. The what the Mets one? Eventually, yes. Oh, it didn't work right after that. That sucks. See, I would have, I would have gone in there just to buy it because of that. Just to I buy it because of that. Yeah. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, that's but, amazing. Yeah. They're just people, you know. I know, I that's know, it. but that's yeah. why I don't want to interrupt their lives because exactly because you want to. They want. I feel like it's yeah. intrusive. You know, I, gotcha. I don't want to be intrusive, and I don't want to treat them like they're. I think the weirdest thing to me is, and I know this is going to be such a strange example but i don't know why i i happened to be watching or maybe i turned it on didn't realize what it was but it was this documentary about or something about britney spears and the thing that blew me away was that they the the hordes of paparazzi around her she literally went into a starbucks they're not allowed to go in there she comes out to her car but they're touching her and I think that's what freaked me out the most. They were touching her body, like putting their hand on her shoulder, like, you know, gra- like they were grabbing her, like touch. It's always, it's stuck. This was so many years ago and it stuck with me. And I thought, how in the fuck do you stay sane when, when you are going from your car to Starbucks and there are hordes of people pretty much preventing you from walking into the store at a normal pace and they're touching your body. I would go on a fucking shooting spree. I I wouldn't be able to handle it. There's no fucking way. And I think that has just always stuck with me that I cannot fathom what it would be like to be approached all the time when you don't have a choice, when you haven't given, given permission, like being an actor or singer or dancer is their job, right? It's, who has right. to be at their job 24 hours all the time? You know, they get to be private citizens. They get to be people with personal lives. And so I feel like it's not right to intrude on their lives when they are just being people. Oh, and especially her. She's a, a case where it's been happening to her since she was a preteen. Which is so, sick, I mean, she's right? been doing... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... It's sick. I mean, you... you it, for me, I just thought, like, that is enough to create laws where... You know, how are they allowed to touch her? Like, what do you do? About, I mean, I mean, it was like, I remember like yelling at the TV, like, <laughs> don't touch her. Like, you can't just touch people because you what, what What are you doing? Like you I was freaking out. So I can't imagine like when we see, you know, I've seen celebrities like punch out a guy with a camera and what I would too. I'd be punching people. I not please. I would have been in jail and out of popularity so fast. Because I'd yeah. be punching and kicking everybody. And yeah, like Alec, probably, Bald- Alec Baldwin uh, punching uh, paparazzi. I, absolutely. I wouldn't be able to handle it. You can't, like, it's one thing to be, uh, you know, across the street and be shouting and taking pictures. Okay, fine. Because you can choose to ignore it. But when they can get in front of you and stop you from walking, right, and touch you, oh, God, no. And also, like, fuck you. You don't get to take a picture of me whenever you want. Who does that? Like, why is that okay? I don't get it. It's, mm-hmm. I could rant about this literally forever. So we'll just call that one of Sailor's rants. I smell a show. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> another right. show. Well. <laughs> never leave my fucking house. <laughs> We're here for a very specific reason. Right? <laughs> <laughs> As promised that last week, we will be battling five of Taylor foreigner albums. Paparazzi. It's like if you're still listening, we're battling five yeah. albums. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, guys. Let's put a disclaimer on this one. Mm. Yeah, let, let's let's bring it back around. Bring it back around. Yes. Matt, you better take it now because I don't know what's happening. I'm lost. Where are we? What's going on? <laughs> I think uh, this is probably the part of the show where we can discuss what everybody's drinking. That would probably mm-hmm. be good because I need a drink after all of that. Yes. So, <clears throat> as you all know, listeners, new listeners, frequent listeners, we are called Metal Rock and Whiskey. So that whiskey part at the end of our title is very important to us. We live it, we breathe it, and we drink it. So uh, we go around here. We talk about what we have in our glass. So who wants to start? I'll go. Eddie, go um, ahead. Matt, I know I told you about this earlier, but I was mm-hmm. given a sample of uh, I've never had Japanese whiskey before until now. A friend of mine at work gave me a uh, sample bottle of Hibiki Harmony Japanese whiskey. And um, very kind of a, not normally what I'm used to seeing in a whiskey glass. It's kind of a, like a straw colored, more of a pale um, yellowish um you know, not like the coppers or the ambers I'm no- normally used to seeing. Um, but uh, it, it, it's very, very nice. Very, um, It reminds me a lot of some other blended scotches I've had, specifically like Monkey Shoulder. It's got a very soft... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of how to put this into words. Nothing about it really stands out in any specific way. Maybe that sounds bad. It's not bad. Um, but it's just a very easy drinking, um, enjoyable whiskey. That's probably the best. I think best the word you're looking it. for is approachable. Yes. It is extremely Great approachable. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. For the whiskey drinker, for the non-whiskey drinker. Um, but having said that, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that... I would, it's not, I would have very often because even though it is nice, it is pleasant, is easy drinker, I just find it kind of boring, you know, because nothing about it really challenges me or, um, still very good. Fair enough. I can see how it would be. It doesn't, doesn't have like the spiciness. It does, normally I can see how a good from a, or, yeah from a from someone who drinks bourbon 98% of the time I can see how it might be mundane I guess maybe is the word yeah sure yeah interesting uh, mm-hmm. you guys. Matt you go first I will go first because I think Seller's going to like what I'm drinking so I'm drinking actually Uncle Nearest 1884, Ooh. small batch, and it is their lower-priced uh, whiskey. They have the 1856, which is like 
at least in my store, it's probably $60 a bottle. This one's about $49, Um, great story. Uncle nearest, um, you know, like I said, sailor knows all about it. Uh, but it's an important part of American whiskey history. Uh, very important story. Great liquid in the bottle. Uh, very approachable. There's that word again. Uh, light, some honey sweetness to it. Uh, just a very good sipping whiskey. Something that I've been sipping the last couple days, actually sitting outside doing some homework uh, by the pool with a little bit of ice. And um, it's just super nice. Uh, I would recommend it to anybody if they're looking for something that's $50 or under. Uh, and that's the Uncle Nearest 1884 small batch. Well, thanks. I'm You're glad welcome. you like it. It's delicious. Um, I So the 1884, I love the 1856. It's hard for me to choose. People will ask me all the time when I'm out in the market. Um, if you don't know, I'm a brand ambassador for Uncle Nearest, and um, I think I hope you guys all also know that I will only rep for brands that I actually believe in and like and drink the whiskey. Um, I did hear the story about the brand before I tasted it, and I just remember until I got to taste it going, oh, God, oh, God, please let this whiskey taste good, because the story is incredible. What our founder is doing has literally changed American whiskey history, and really, she's... Uh, changing American history period um, opening discussions that, you know, that haven't happened and that need to happen and all of that. But the cool thing about that 1884, which is the second expression we released is that it is uh, the person in charge of choosing the blends. It's small batch. So every batch will be different. But if you look on the back of your bottle map, there's an embossed signature. Do you see that? Yep. And that is that signature is from Victoria Edie Butler. I loves me some Victoria. She is the great great granddaughter of Uncle Nearest. She is freaking awesome. If you follow me on Instagram, the day that um, my whole Instagram was taken over when I was at the distillery, um, you would have seen a picture of her and I sitting on a bench hugging each other. Um, she is so incredible. She chooses those blends. She is in charge of those blends. And so it's so amazing that we literally have a blood relative, a descendant of Nearest Green that has their hands on the whiskey is just absolutely incredible. And also our master distiller is a former um, whiskey, whiskey production manager of Jack Daniel. And our story is so intertwined with Jack Daniel's story because they founded that brand together. And so it's beautiful that we have all of that, like, coming back together again. You know, it's it's wonderful. And um, I'm really happy that you like it. Delicious. Oh, and I also thought it was cool. Wasn't it um, Jack Daniel's who took out a big full-page ad in the paper? Um, I forget what the paper was. Welcoming Uncle Nearest. So you're, uh, yeah, you're absolutely state. right. Um, so we, uh, the brand was founded many years ago, and we um, finally opened our own distillery, the nearest green distillery, um, phase one, which is our visitor center. We opened it in September. 
And the day of our breaking ground ceremony or opening ceremony, Jack Daniels took out a, a full page ad in the Tennessean, which is the statewide newspaper okay. in Tennessee. And it was a we got the letter beforehand, of course, and it was passed around um, to all of us. And we all admitted that we got teary eyed reading it. If you've read it, it will tear it. Woof, it's emotional. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really letter. Well done. It is beautifully done. It's a letter uh, to, you know, all of us. I, I include myself because I'm a part of the whiskey family of Uncle Nearest now. Um, congratulating us on opening the distillery, congratulating us on our success. And they went so far as to say that they believe Jack Daniels would have been so incredibly proud to see Uncle Nearest's name on a bottle and having his own distillery. And he he, he would. They, they had a beautiful relationship. They were family. Um, they were very important to each other. So it was, it was, it was a, it was a beautiful thing to see that happen. Cool. Yeah. So if you want to read more about the story, if you want to know more about it, um, for anyone that's a whiskey lover, the story is just mind blowing and it's all true. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I think that perhaps depending on how well records were kept, we might hear something like this coming from other brands, I would hope. Um, you know, I hope all industry in the U.S. will start digging into their past and honoring the people that built those industries. Um, but you can just go to the website, unclenearest.com, um, and we also have um, a nonprofit organization um, that uh, gives a, has an education fund for descendants of Uncle Nearest. So it's really cool. Thanks, guys. All right, so um, I'm not drinking anything special. I made a cocktail, so we'll skip me. <laughs> Who cares? I want to hear about your cocktail. What the hell? I was too ready to battle. I got, like, really excited. Oh, I'm like, okay. oh, I'm just going to make a cocktail. It's, is it um, a lazy cocktail? It is, a, it, it is, in fact, a lazy cocktail. <laughs> of course it is. It's, uh, it's um, what the hell did I put in here? Actually, it's Uncle Nearest, 1856 in here. Uh, a little Dubonnet Rouge, which is nice. my favorite, and some orange bitters, and um, I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, I put a little cherry tincture in there. That's so Dubonnet Rouge, like for the price, might be the best vermouth you can buy, or aperitif, or however you classify it. It is to me. Okay, so. We, we, again, I don't want to get too deep. We're not going to go down Sorry. this rabbit hole. But, <laughs> so I have a viscosity issue. Most sweet vermouths are too viscous for me, too syrupy and sweet and thick. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't like it. So I shake my Manhattans, which a lot of bartenders are like, oh, mon dieu, and want to pass out on the floor, <laughs> do the, the fainting stance. Um, I don't give a shit. I need that air. I need those bubbles. I need to whip that thing up. If I have the right vermouth, then I stir like you're supposed to for a Manhattan. Dubonnet Rouge is my go-to and my favorite. And on that, then I can, I'll, I'll do a stir and I don't have to shake it. So it's my favorite. Awesome. See, Ed, I did a good job. I didn't go all the way down the rabbit hole. Aren't you proud of me? I am very proud of you. <laughs> shallow, shallow rabbit hole. All right. It was, it was very shallow. <laughs> I'm ready for a battle. I don't know. Let's battle. Do Let's do it.
Okay, so just to remind the listeners of what in the hell we are doing tonight, um, this is part two of our Foreigner episode, so we are gonna we are gonna really get down to it and battle five fucking albums because I agreed to this, or I think it was my idea, and I don't think I'm supposed to have ideas anymore. So here we go. We are gonna battle. Their first album, self-titled, called Foreigner. Their second album, Double Vision. Their third album, Head Games. Their fourth album, Four. And their fifth album, Agent Provocateur. So how we're going to do this is we're going to discuss the merits of all the albums. And we're going to have to quickly eliminate three of those albums. And then there will be two left. And we're going to let those two albums go head to head. So, let's start with Foreigner, which was released March 8th of 1977. It is their um, first album. Uh, Crazy, crazy popular sales were nuts. Um, The hits you got off this album are Feels Like the First Time, Cold as Ice, and Long, Long Way from Home. Um, All right, guys, let's talk about this album. How do we feel about this? As we uh, had mentioned in the first episode, you know, what what a way to debut an album. Um, yeah, and I, I totally agree. This album, right out of the gates, you know, starts off with Feels Like the First Time, which is a great, you think about it, a great <laughs> song to have as your first First song, song on an on album. Your first, first album. album yeah. First, yeah. Album, yeah. first, first track. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then Cold as Ice. <laughs> um, bam, following up with it. Um, and then the next three tracks are not quite as strong, but they're still great songs. Still Star Rider, um, Head Knocker. Head Knocker I really enjoyed. I like Head Knocker um, too. The damage is mm-hmm. done. And then Long, Long Way From Home kind of ratchets oh, it up again. Love that song. And great song now to me the album is front heavy um the last four tracks you know i i can i can take or leave but uh those first six tracks man really strong the damage is done is also another kick-ass song um head head knocker i remember like going back well star rider too i have to say i went as i went back and like you know which I don't often do. I, I, but we've we talked about many times in the past on this show that we will listen to it back when albums were made like this, track one through whatever, because that was very intentional. And so we try to do it just like they wanted us to listen to it. And I remember, you know, being in my room, my bedroom, with my headphones on and listening to this. And I'm surprised that Star Rider and Head head knocker even later didn't become you know how sometimes like b-side hits will become big hits like later 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 on when they're considered classic rock um i think these were good contenders in in my opinion um for for being especially head knocker for being big hits matt what about you well great album i might disagree with you on the um I don't want to call it filler because it's not really filler because it's all kind of fucking good. Um, but the 
um, what's the word I used with you before, Sailor? The uh, the deep cuts, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel, Ed, I'm going to go against you here. And I thought the okay. end of the album was actually really good. Mm-hmm. So I had to, we're doing a Metal Rock Whiskey first here. We're battling five albums. So I had to come up with, at least personally, a system where I could weigh everything equally. Because I know that, at least with their hits... Um, and the sales and all that stuff with with all the factors of these albums we're discussing, they're pretty evenly weighted. So I had to kind of score every song uh, uh, individually and kind of tally it up at the end of the album and give it a score. Uh, so I kind of scored all the songs, you know, out of five, five stars, I guess, and tallied it at the end. Uh, most of these albums have 10 songs, so it's 50 points, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, like at at, um, at world with uh, at uh, whatever track eight is war with the world. War with the world. Thank you. <laughs> I wrote it, I wrote it wrong. I wrote at world with the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I gave that four out of five. I gave I need you four out of five. So I weighted those later tracks a little better because I think they're they're good tracks. Um, but overall, I gave the album thirty three out of fifty, sixty six percent. Um, front heavy, yes. I mean, you can't for a debut have two better songs coming out of the gate. I mean, you really can't. Those are both five five star songs for me. And to me, in the middle is where it kind of lost me a little bit. So where you guys are saying like head knocker, damage is done. Those are like two star songs for me. So I kind of took a little bit of a different approach where I felt the front of the album was great kind of were dragged in the middle and then at the end i feel like those songs were better mm-hmm. uh but i mean what you can't what can you say for a debut we talked about it already phenomenal so it sounds like to me we're all gonna agree to keep this album in the mix for now oh sure okay all right so, for sure. so yeah. the, the, the their debut album is gonna stay in the mix right now mm-hmm. okay all right, so let's move on to Double Vision. So, as we mentioned in our last show, this is back when you would make an album a year, and somehow they were all fucking awesome. So whatever the hell musicians are doing nowadays that take five years in between albums, pull it together, dudes. So this album was released June 20th of 1978, and um, your big hits on this album are Hot-Blooded, Blue Morning, and Double Vision. So um, this album, to me, is a perfect part two of their self-titled album. Um, I feel like it was exactly what you would want to follow up with this mega out-of-the-gate hit. I can't imagine why anybody would be disappointed with this. And, and I mean, obviously the fans were nuts about it because it sold even better than their first album, which sold ridiculously well. It's been certified seven times platinum since it came out. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and Hot-Blooded is still to this day. So there's a couple bands that we've discussed on this show that will still have chart toppers. <laughs> like 30 years later and this this album is one of them yeah and, you know, it's on the radio all the time yes <laughs> i is. didn't mention this in the other other episode but foreigner is one of those bands where um out of all their hits 
there's they really haven't been overplayed like mm-hmm. a lot of bands are, which is great too mm-hmm. because I can still listen to all the hits and they they're yes. still you know enjoy point. listening to them. That's a good point. Yes, but uh, this album would t- takes everything that was great about the first album and just ratchets it ratchets it up a notch. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And um, starting off again, two big, strong uh, starting songs: "Hot Blooded," "Blue Morning," "Blue Day." Uh, two of I think are like two of their best songs right there on that album, mm-hmm. right next mm-hmm. to each other. Um, and this album, from front to back, from beginning to end, I enjoyed. This is one album I would listen to without skipping a track, almost every single time. I think. The songs on this album are so strong. Um, even the ones that aren't the big hits, I think, have a lot of potential. Um, and even if some of them I wouldn't consider maybe hit material, but they are interesting enough to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fit, they fill a real good niche. Like some of them are really great. It would be a great song to chill out to. Um, You're All I Am is just a beautiful ballad. Yeah, um, right. yeah, and Truman even got a, got an instrumental in there, which I like occasionally um, in Tr- Tramontane, which was uh, I enjoyed too. So yeah, I, I really dug this album all the way through. So <clears throat> this album um, was the only album to be co-produced, and um, it was Keith Olsen who co-produced this with them. It's also the last album with. Our favorite giggly, goggly, giggity, giddy guy. Like um, Gagliardi. Gagliardi. Um, <laughs> I would have changed my name. Uh, and by the way, they recorded like every album in a different studio, which I find really interesting. Mm. Um, so I, I have to agree with you on this album. For me, um, Hot Blooded is like the perfect rock song. It, it is the perfect if you put that song in a time capsule and other people open it 300 years from now or aliens open it up and it's like, what, what was, what is your quintessential 70, late seventies rock song? This is it. It's got the cool factor. It's got the awesome factor. It's got the groove factor. I mean, not, I mean, yes, they were making easy to listen to pretty straightforward songs, but you have to be, crazy fucking talented to do that Mm -hmm. you have to be a very very talented musician actually to make timeless simple rock songs i don't think there's any anything simple about what they do but i i I get what what he means um again fucking chart topper blue morning is an incredible song Mm -hmm. so is double vision um Back where you belong, I absolutely love. Um, I I I I have waited so long as well. The, those two songs, I think they're fucking phenomenal. So I'm a huge fan of Double Vision. I think it has all the right stuff. So this for me, this is the only album that has three five star songs on it, and that's Hot Blooded, uh, Blue Morning, and Double Vision. Um, so the doesn't necessarily mean it's the highest scoring album in my system but it has three big songs and we've talked about on this show many times how songs certain songs can carry an album 
Um, in this case, they don't have to carry the album. The album is great uh, from start to finish. I love a cool instrumental. I'm going to back up what you said, Ed. Uh, that song's awesome. Uh, and it bookends very well. So, I mean, the final track, again, for me, uh, Spellbinder, is four out of five. So it's not a five-star song, but it's a fucking great song to end the album. So if you can keep me interested and then you can finish strong, I'm on board. So this is a fantastic album. Fantastic. So again, I'm going to assume this album stays in the mix. <laughs> oh, definitely. Dude, okay. this is going to be a long night. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is going to be rough. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Head Games, which was released September 10th, 1979. It's their third album. Um, so we have our new bassist, Rick Willis. This is uh, co-produced by Roy Thomas Baker, um, who worked on Queens, other cl- the early classic Queens albums. Um, and it will be the last album with Ian McDonald um, and Al Greenwood. So this is kind of the last founding member album, members album, you could say. Um, and this is also the album that had the uh, controversial a girl in the boy's bathroom. So the big hits you have on this are Dirty White Boy, uh, Head Games, Love on the Telephone, and Women. Love on the Telephone and Women, not that they don't get the airplay that they used to. They were super big hits at the time, but not as long-lasting as Dirty White Boy and Head Games. Rub on the Red Line, I thought, was a pretty... pretty good good big hit as well um i think it was but it wasn't a chart topping hit yeah yeah so that yeah i mean if it's a chart topper it goes in a different category yeah so um um, yeah sorry you go first no no you go first okay um all right so you know after those first two albums you know it would have taken a miracle to maintain that trajectory absolutely you know so this doesn't really come as a surprise that uh, head games i think is a bit of a step down um from the previous two albums um with you know like the standouts being i think that for me that the highlight of this the highlight comes right in the middle track number six head games um the the title track Mm -hmm. um other ones i enjoy dirty white boy of course that was i don't think it's up quite at that level but it's still a decent song same with women 17 um and at the end we get we get three decent songs in a row blinded by science do what you like and rough on the red line um so you know there's I'd say three out of the 10 songs I'd probably skip. Um, so yeah, not one of their, not their strongest album, but still, uh, still solid overall, I would say. So I agree with you. Um, there's, yeah, there's no way their third album. I mean, it would have been amazing to have it be as successful and have it, you know, but again, it, it's, it was, you still had two chart topping hits it's gone five times platinum. Um, Dirty White Boy and Head Games are still played regularly on the radio. I mean, these are still two of their most famous songs. Um, but this album lacks for me. And it, it's you can tell it's kind of, it feels like a downward trend. Uh-huh. I think listening to this album, 
I go, oh, God, you know, is their next, are, are they done? Are they kind of going on a downtrend? What's their next album going to be like? Is it going to suck? Oh, no, is this the the beginning of the end for the band? I think that those would have been all my concerns, even though, to me, Dirty White Boy and Head Games are fucking incredible songs. I mean, if you would have put them on Double Vision, holy shit, you know, yeah. that would have been a mega, mega, mega times 100 mega album. I, I mean, those two songs are fucking phenomenal, but that's it for me. I'm not into, literally not into any of the other songs on the album. So you make a great point, Sailor, saying that it's a downward trend. Um, if this were their first album, and then you had the other two, I can kind of get into that groove. But I feel like this is kind of a two steps forward, one step back sort of thing. So I agree with you on that. Um We've talked about albums that have songs that can carry them from beginning to end. Certain songs, uh, while there are big songs on this album, they don't justify the other stuff that's on the album. Um, so this was, out of the first three we talked about, the lowest scoring for me, according to my point system. Um, so I'm with you guys on everything you said. Um, and I think that if this were... Uh, any normal band who had normal success um, because, you know, Farner has defied the odds as we've talked about on our last show uh, from beginning. Um, I think if this was, if this was their first album and we flipped everything around, I think it would make a little bit more sense and we could kind of accept it as being kind of, uh, you know, a couple of good hits, but they're kind of growing Okay, but this being their third album after what they did the first two times, I don't think it fits. So, okay, so having said that, yeah. I think we can say we are going to get take this one out of the mix. Yeah, yes. Okay, so Goodbye. we're eliminating that one. So we're no down. Games. Okay, so we're down to four albums now. Yes. Okay, so let's move on to the last album in this battle. Um, and no, I'm sorry, I'm 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 no. getting ahead of ourselves. We're moving to Second number four. To last. Shit, sorry, we're moving to number four. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, okay, uh, four. The number four, which is Foreigner's fourth album, uh, was released July second of 1981. And um, this was another mega hit record uh, with many hit singles on it, like Urgent, Waiting for a Girl Like You, and Jukebox Hero. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a success worldwide, holding the number one position on the Billboard chart for 10 freaking weeks. And initially sold over 7 million copies in the U.S. alone. Like, Unflipping believable. So, Ed? So, yeah, four. This is one of those indelible, indelible, iconic rock albums of the ages. You know, you think of iconic rock albums, you think of, you know, might maybe Fleetwood Mac Rumors, mm-hmm. um, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and mm-hmm. you've got four and or four right yes. there in the mix. Agreed. You know, um, yeah, this was the first 
foreigner album that I recognized growing up as an, you know, foreigner album, um, as opposed to just being, you know, random songs on the radio. Um, and it's, it's like this album is saying, all right, we're back. And we're, you know, after that last album, it's like they re-energized. Um, but, and for me, it, this kind of mirrors their debut album again. It's got, to me, it's front heavy. The first six tracks, super strong. And the last four, you know, are just kind of, I don't know. I can, I can, I can do without the last four. Um, but yeah, you got with songs like a jukebox hero waiting for a girl like you and urgent, you know, again, they just, all these albums, they just managed to crank out, you know, like two or three, you know, huge hits on all these albums they put out. I don't know how they do it, but they just managed to do it. So, um, yeah, definitely a strong album, at least, you know, like I said, the first six tracks. And Matt? <sighs> well, <clears throat> I have to really second everything that Ed said and say that this album's, it's a game changer. It really is. Um, I mean, <laughs> you have hits on the first three albums, but it's like, are they really hits compared to what's on this album? <laughs> I mean, do you think about it? I mean, like, really? I mean, it kind of puts everything in perspective for them. I mean, jukebox hero. It's like, I can't be, I can't, I can't think of a place where I would be. If that song came on where I wouldn't start just bobbing my head Mm -hmm. or doing something Mm -hmm. like I could be in a doctor's office having like the worst kind of fucking treatment or something. And that song comes on. I'm like, like the smile comes on my face, (laughs) you know? Um, uh, waiting for a girl like you. It's like, was there any kid in the '80s that didn't dance oh to that at some dance? Seriously, no, <laughs> there wasn't. Or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a. Yep. I, I don't like to throw the term around, but it's a it's a generational song. I mean, for a generation of kids that were in middle school and high school, I mean, fucking, do you dance to it? I mean, if it was, you know. Um, yeah, I think I was in. I, I I danced with. I know exactly the kid I danced slow dance with. The eighth grade dance, and it was they played "Waiting for a Girl Like You." Girl and like this you. is this yeah. has got to be eight years later. No, six, seven years later, something like that. However many years later after it came out. Um, no, I guess it would be like four or five years but, later. Like I said, anyway, a, gener- a, gener- a generational still, song. Yeah, yeah still, still like a, yeah. the minute it came on, everybody was like, oh my God, I love this song. All those years later. Um, urgent, still on the radio. Mm-hmm. All the time. Um, and then and then the other tracks are, they hold their weight. You know, they're not the hits, but they hold their weight. Um, so this scored highest of all the albums that I had according to my system, um, 78%, whereas like Head Games is 67 for the stars. Um, So the riffs are better, the vocals are better, more powerful songs, uh, keyboards done the right way, as we talked about (laughs) last week. Um, There are keyboards for the sake of selling out and trying to mold to a different sound, and there are keyboards 
as part of a progression in a sound. And I think that they were progressing in their sound. Um, natural and saxophones. And saxophones, but natural progression, natural, not mm-hmm. pressure progression, not changing what you're doing, not changing the formula. Um, they didn't sell out, uh, you know, like heart, but, you know, whatever. Um, so this is, um, it's uh, one of those albums that uh, it stands the test of time for me. So. so I have to agree with you guys completely. I don't have a lot to say other else to say other than, um, did you guys know that there is someone who would go on to be very famous and very important in many, many ways to music who was a guest um, saxophonist? I did not know that. Does anybody know um, who it is? Oh, boy. Guess saxophonist. Not the guy from mm-hmm. Lost Boys? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's the only saxophonist <laughs> I know. great, though. <laughs> the, the, I'm trying to think. Do you want me to give you... I'll give you a hint. You guys want a hint? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's say science... Uh, 80s Brit wave, new wave British. Um, cassette, cassette I, tape. I, I, I want to. I'm. I'm. Ha- I can picture someone in my mind, but I can't think of their name. She blinded me with science. It's Thomas, Thomas Dolby. Dolby. Yeah. Really. Yes. Holy crap. So he wasn't famous yet, you know? And so he oh was just, gosh. there were two guest saxophonists. Um, and one was a guy named Junior Walker and then um, Thomas Dolby, who was very young at the time and would go on to, of course, be, you know, the guy uh, from the song She Blind Me With Science, but also Dolby Sound. We have uh-huh. him to thank for Dolby Sound, so... Someone that would be very important wow. um, in the future to music. Just a little tidbit there. Okay. That's a very interesting one, though. So to keep us moving, I'm, we're keeping in four. I mean, duh. Yes, that's so definitely that, that's All right. in there. It's you guys, there. we still have three fucking albums in here. This is not going so well. Okay. Let's talk about the last one. All right. Okay. Let's talk about album number five from Foreigner, which was released in December 7th, 1984, and that is called Agent Provocateur. And, um, yeah, this album was, uh, it, it was a huge, another huge hit, of course, because I think at this point you're fucking Foreigner, so whatever. Um, it was funny, fun, this is really interesting. This album was the band's first and only number one album in the U.K., like what when i read that i was like get the fuck out of here it's like really? late to the party man yeah you're yeah. really and you you know usually it's the it's the exact opposite but um oh you're right yeah so big hits uh that was yesterday and i want to know what love is um the rest of the other chart toppers weren't they made it to the charts but they weren't chart toppers um so ed you want to talk about this album yeah this album I think we're, or it's another kind of another head games um, as far as the level uh, goes. Um, now, granted, you got the smash. I want to know what love is, which is like the ultimate rock ballad. 
basically. And I think, but, and that, that this might be the only song of foreigners that's come close to being overplayed. Um, Come close, I would say. Yeah, because I... It's already jumped over that yeah. shot. And shoulders above everything else. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, Tooth and Nail, though, I thought was a really good opening song. I thought that was a cool track. Um, that was yesterday, and I want to know what love is, of course. You know, huge huge hits. Um, then we got Reaction to Action, I thought was a decent, was a really good song. I like that one, too. Um, and then the other two I really enjoyed was Stranger in My Own House and Down on Love. Down on Love was pretty, really good. Um, then there were four other tracks on there that, you know, I could take or leave. So, um, so rather than being, you know, front heavy, um, it's just kind of a mix of you got me, you lost me, you got me, you lost me, you got me, you lost me. Kind of, mm-hmm. um, yeah. on there. So, yeah, I I thought of all the albums, maybe I I had a hard time deciding which which one was the weakest album. It's either this one or Head Games. I think they're both kind of. I mean, don't get me wrong; they're both good albums in their own right. But out of the five, I think that this is one of the two weakest. Okay, Matt. So here's a little lesson for our younger listeners out there. So I'm going to approach this from the same statistical, can't say that, (laughs) statistical point of view I did the other albums. So as we talked about many times, uh, this was a time when albums were coming out every year. Bands were churning out albums every single year. And if you got a band like this, and they're churning out hit album after hit album, 77, 78, 79. And then you have a three-year gap. <laughs> and then an album comes out. That album is usually garbage. <laughs> it's true. So it's been it's been proven time and time again. So when you have that first gap between you have four albums that come out four straight years, and then you have a three-year gap, whatever it is, you know... Um, Band members uh, churn over, you have a, a, a record label change, whatever. Usually that first product, very few times is it better than what came out before. Usually it's it's worse. And I think this is a good example of that. So you have three years between albums uh, where they were churning out hit album after hit album. And uh, yeah, there's not much I can say about this album. A great album title, by the way. I love that album title uh agent provocateur other than that was yesterday couldn't really care give a shit about this album couldn't really care um i want to know what love is important song big hit but you know what so So was never so was never by heart so so i feel (laughs) the things i want to say about this album are yeah um i want to know what love is i didn't realize that was foreigner i i mean months went by <laughs> it was a huge it was such a huge hit when it, i mean it was all over the radio all that and i don't and i just it didn't sound like them i would have never in a, imagined in a million years that that was foreigner i don't know who the fuck i thought it was but i was like okay i like this song that was yesterday is one of my favorite foreigner songs i it does not belong on this album because i have to agree with you on this album 
but that song is such a fucking amazing. awesome. Yeah. It is one of their best songs I think they've ever written. It is such there's so oh god I love that song. One of my and favorite. And I think songs. and I think there's depth there too as far as content goes. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. and um, yes. if you ever see uh, far under behind the music is actually great behind the music if you're a fan of that series. Yeah, it is. Um, and they talk about that this was their peak that we talked about on last week's episode. Like they don't they weren't big into drugs or controversy, but. Um, you know, Graham says that this was their point where they were dabbling in drugs a lot. Mm-hmm. So this album here. But so, I agree with you on the song. Yeah. I have another um, little trivia. There is um, uh, backing vocals on this album by, um, let's say, a band that would go on. Well, I guess they were already pretty famous. At the time, uh, well, yeah, no, another two years. Anybody know who it is? They're a British band, New Wave. Another two years, like The Cure or something like that, or no, like no. Duran Duran, Wham. Wham is not a British band. Sorry, yeah, they are. You would so consider them a British band? So not Duran Duran. George Michael uh, is. Well, yeah, but I didn't consider them a British band. It's the Thompson Twins. Yes. Oh, Thompson <laughs> Twins. I know. Isn't that so? Hold me. I love that. It's great. Aren't yeah. they uh, like I could walk five hundred miles? Was no. no. Those are the Thompson Proclaimers. Twins. Hold me now. Proclaimers. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's all. Okay. That's all in one group for me. So I think, unfortunately, if that was yesterday, it could be on another album. But this album has to go. Do we agree? Yeah. Agree. agree. Yes. All right. So Big that, red X. that leaves us in a pretty tough spot here because we've got <laughs> three, three albums left. So it, it is between their first album, Foreigner, then Double Vision, then Four. So we have to eliminate one of these albums. So I'm just going to, we're going to do this real quick. So. You've got you've got your choice. You've got to get rid of one album. I'm going to start with you, Ed. Which one album has to go in this threesome? Out of those three? Yeah. I'd say Foreigner. Foreigner, okay. And Matt, how about you? I would have to say Foreigner as well. Okay. It's unanimous because I also have to say Foreigner, even though I fucking love that album. Yeah. It's got to go. Okay, so Foreigner's out funny because i didn't think it would go down like this but here we are with double vision and four now just to remind you double vision 1978 you've got hot blooded blue monday and the title track double vision four you've got jukebox hero waiting for a girl like you and urgent all right ed i'm gonna start with you okay well out of these two albums Okay, looking from it, looking at it from a holistic standpoint, I think Double Vision. I can go listen to the whole album through. Uh, four, again, the, like I said before, the last four tracks kind of lose me. Um, when we're talking about the hits, you got Hot Blooded, Blue Morning, Blue Day, Double Vision versus Jukebox Hero, Waiting for Girl Like You, and Urgent. And for me. 
The hits are stronger on Double Vision. Uh, the overall album is stronger. I have to go Double Vision. This, which okay. really surprised me coming into this. Coming into okay. this, I'm like, oh man, it's going to be four all the way. But until I really started, really listened to it. And, okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. Cool. So Ed's going for Double Vision. Matt? <laughs> so. Oh, God. This is going to be very interesting. <laughs> oh, God. So. This is one of those cases again. Very rare on this show. But I have to go back to the bare bones of what I like in an album, period. Whatever it is. It has to keep me interested from soup to nuts, from beginning to end, from A to Z. They both have hits. Clearly, they both have hits. Um, What kept me peaked from beginning to end? As much as I love Double Vision... As much as it kept me interested, as much as the hits are on there, as much as I love the way it bookended everything, I have to go with four. Mm. I have to go with four. Um, The hits on that album are bigger, in my opinion. Um, And it kept me at that level where I need to be when I'm listening to an album where it doesn't bring me to this low where I feel like I have to recover. Um, sounds crazy, but I mean, if you're a music fan, you know what I'm talking about where you have to kind of recover emotionally or get reinvested in a song or in the album as you're going along. Uh, I didn't have to do that with this album. So I have to go for, I have to go for. Very interesting. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, so right now it's a tie between Double Vision and Four, so I guess I'm the tiebreaker. Yes, you are. All right. Well, I thought, okay, so it was hell to get down. It's funny because these are the two albums I was hoping we were going to get down to. Me too. When I first started, I never thought I would get rid of Foreigner's first album, but I didn't have a choice because of Double Vision and Four. Um, so Double Vision has hot-blooded, one of my favorite rock songs of all time, hands down. It's a fucking great album. However, there is one other song by Foreigner to me that is one of the best rock songs ever written. And I, I have a couple of these songs that I feel like are, when, when I first had my sister had her first kid when he was old enough to actually like appreciate music and still thought I was cool. Cause now he's a teenager <laughs> and hates me. Doesn't hate me, but I'm not as awesome as I used to be. Oh, you're so cool. Come on. Well, he'll get back to it. He's in that yeah. shitty spot where nothing's All cool, in that you know? like in between. Yeah, yeah. It's the worst. He's 15. It's the, it's the fucking worst, but there are a few songs that I put together that I'm like, this is rock. Like, this is what I want you to know is the basis of like you know like from my from for me for this is rock bad company's shooting star like that is just because it's it's like a it's a um 
sure there's like you know the arena rock songs that are you know easy to listen to and you know all of that but then there's like songs that have depth to them and musicality and and are just interesting but also just like when shooting star comes on i don't care where you are whether you're in a gas station bathroom or in you know a bar or whatever man everybody has to take a minute and be like johnny was a schoolboy. you know everybody it's just one of those songs to me it's also jukebox hero jukebox hero is one of the best songs that has ever been written in the history of rock this category of rock that we're talking about hands down um urgent is also the fact that urgent urgent and jukebox hero the fact that they're both on the same album is mind-blowing to me because i forgot they were on the same album because i feel like they've got one foot in the late 70s and one foot in the early 80s but that early 80s where it started to be the 80s and I, I just, I fucking love that they did that. And then, waiting for a girl like you, man. I am not a softie. You, have, you know that, but yes. come on. You have Again, the ballad that rounds you've got, So, yes. yeah, you've got Jukebox Hero, Waiting for a Girl Like You, and Urgent on one, on the same fucking album. It's four all the way for me. Hot-Blooded kills me to part ways with that. I fucking love that song. I would bleed for that song. But if I have to choose, I have no choice, right? I have to choose. It's got to be Jukebox Hero. It's got to be Waiting for a Girl Like You. It's got to be Urgent. Um, Even I'm going to win. Like, it's got to be four. Four is it for me. So it looks like four wins. Four reigns supreme. That was one of the best battles we've had. That was a really good battle. Yes. Yes. You know what is interesting, though? I thought we were going to have heated words on this, and we didn't even have to go there. because this is difficult. It's a difficult battle. Well, what's interesting is that we got down to three albums, which were exactly the three I was hoping we got down to, and that got down to the two that I was hoping we got down to. So I think that made it a lot easier. But even with the yeah. three, you're 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 dismissing a lot of great songs oh, too. Oh Jesus, yeah, I mean, you yeah. are. <laughs> this was really hard. I spent right. I spent a sometimes when we do this, I pretty much know what I'm gonna go with. It, there's few times when I surprise myself, but I think it's because with this, the fun thing with doing Foreigner was I got to revisit albums, not just songs. And I forgot, like I just said, that Jukebox Hero and Waiting for a Girl Like You and Urgent were all on the same album. Yeah. If I, if you had told me that before, I would have been like, really? Are you sure? I'm going to have to look that up. That's what I love about that album. So mm-hmm. fucking cool. So this was really fun to revisit. I'm so glad we did this. It was fun to... I actually went through some photos of me and my... Um, knee-high moccasin boots. <laughs> Remember those, Ed? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I used to have the feather clips in my hair. Oh, well, my gosh. They were roach, roach clips. clips. Yeah, but I wasn't <laughs> using them for that yet. I, it, you would, we would put them in our hair because it looked Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. It, took, it, it was years later that I found out that girls started clipping them in their hair just to hold on to them until they used them for a joint. I didn't know there that. I was just like, <laughs> I thought it was cool. <laughs> but, by the way, I've seen Foreigner many times live i saw them 
very, very young. One of my aunts, who is only eight years older than me, took me with her. It was her and her high school boyfriend. Um, I was allowed to go. It was incredible. Um, uh, I saw them. I think I've seen them four or five times. They they were phenomenal. Um, you know, there's been a lot of illnesses um, and old age and things like that. So um, I saw them. God, the last time I saw them was probably the early 90s. And I honestly cannot tell you if Lou Graham, he, you know, he had, I think it was a brain tumor yeah. that he battled. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember if he was with them or not, which I know sounds terrible, but they just sounded like a really different band. Like it was fun, like hearing the hits, but it wasn't the same band. But when I saw them back in the 80s, fuck man. Oh, they were so so good live everything you would want them to be live they were so hats off to them for that and that's it four wins Wins. so if any of the kitties are listening go to your little spotify's right now and type in foreigner four album f-o-u-r and listen to that shit and jam out and if you guys are as old as me and Ed, or I should say Ed, because he's older than me, if you're as grandpa-ish as Ed, <laughs> revisit Foreigner. You will be happy you did, because this was super fun. Yep. Definitely glad I did. Yeah. All right. Matt, take us away. All right. So, thanks for sticking around. We hope you had fun with that battle. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as we did. And as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Metal Rock Whiskey, Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. And we also have a super cool Facebook group under Metal, uh, under, sorry, Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) And follow us individually. Yeah, right. (laughs) And follow us individually on Instagram. You can find me at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E Sailor. You can find me at your mom. Oh, oh. I mean Sailor Retro. Oh, I just thought I would be super juvenile right there. That's fine. And as always, they can find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. And hey, listeners, if you love us or even just like us. Just a little bit. And if you agree with us, disagree <laughs> with us, I don't know. Please hit that subscribe button. Give us it a is. review. It Do really it. does matter. You and of it. course, tune in next week where we will be back with another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Back yes. in saddle. And stay tuned for a very important episode of Wrestling with Respect. If you subscribe to the network, very important. I will listen to it. Yes. Very, very important. Okay. Well. All right. Yes. Fuck you, Lars. We're out of here. Later, everyone. Fuck you. Later. Bye.